It's great to be with you on the Ready to Go podcast. I'm your host, John Christensen, joined also by Pastor Dave Gibson. This week, we're going to be talking about workplace evangelism. It's said that the working American will work 90,000 hours over the course of their life. That's a lot of time. And even for those who don't work full-time, we all have activities that we dedicate significant hours to. It could be volunteer work, it could be children, whatever it is, we all need to answer the question, how do we better reach people in these significant areas of our lives? And so, Pastor Dave, glad to have you with us again. How have you encouraged Christians in this area, in the workplace, and in these areas that they have significant time spent? Again, uh, you know, I, I have a philosophy in life. We need to bloom where we're planted, whether it's your neighborhood, your school campus, that, uh, or your workplace. And we, as you mentioned, we spend a lot of time in the workplace. And that really becomes our mission field. And uh, we don't have to travel 8,000 miles to go and share Jesus or even downtown necessarily, but right where we live every day, we can represent Jesus Christ. Be that uh, suit of clothes that Jesus can wear, Bible says that he always leads us into his triumph in Christ Jesus, and he wants to manifest through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. And that includes the workplace. That's 2 Corinthians 2.14 for those who are taking notes. But uh, how can I be that sweet aroma of the knowledge of Jesus in every place? It begins with that spirit-filled life, walking in the spirit, letting the Lord really be active in our lives so that they see the reality of Christ in us. And uh, it begins kind of uh, representing Jesus both in word and in deed. Because people will, will watch your life, and you, you might be the only Bible people will ever read, might be the only Jesus they ever see in the workplace. And uh, it starts with prayer. Uh, uh, the divine order for witnessing, talk to God about men, talk to men about God. I, I I, back in uh, college, when I was working, I was working my way through school, playing football uh, down at Gustavus, and I'd pray for my whole football team. I, I starts, I pray for every one of them by name. We prayed for everybody on our campus, and that we would have a natural opportunity to be sharing Christ with them. While going to school, I was uh, working at a place called Horner Waldorf Champion Paper Products, and uh, I really didn't like the job at all. I mean, it was grunt work, hard work, and I, I really admire people who work, do those blue-collar jobs, and it's, it's, it's hard work, and uh, they get a lot of dirt under the fingernails, and so I have great admiration for people who work in those settings, but I didn't really like it. It was a rotating shifts. We worked around the clock, uh, uh, three distinct shifts, and, and, uh, but each summer I would pray, Lord, would you give me a natural opportunity to share Christ with every guy that I work with? On, in this workplace. And I ended up not going from not liking the job to really loving the job because I realized that God hadn't called me there just to make a living. He'd call me there to make a difference, a difference for the glory of Jesus Christ. And I saw it as a mission field. Well, there's one particular shift that I tried to avoid every year. I knew the guys, I saw the guys on this shift. It was frankly Wendowski's shift. And these guys are tough, tough guys. They like to fight. They, they would drive the Harley Davidsons, they had chains around their shoulders and leather coats and did the drugs and, and drank hard and fought hard. And 
I didn't, re- and I sized these guys up, and I thought, me probably wouldn't be all that open to the gospel. And I don't, I, I don't think we should ever do that, but I think in our mind's eye, we sometimes do that with people say, well, that person wouldn't be very open. So I kind of reluctantly went into this summer. I got the letter saying, you're on this particular shift, Frank's shift, and I said, oh, Lord, this is going to be a long summer. So I reluctantly began praying, say, God, I still want to be your instrument. And the very first week, I'm out there working uh, with a guy named Charlie. And uh, we're working in a, in a tandem. And it's a paper mill and printing company. Um, Charlie starts asking me some questions. He says, hey, Gibson, you look like you like your scotch. I said, well, what does that look like? Actually, I, I don't drink, and I wasn't trying to be self-righteous or anything. And he asked me about getting high if I did drugs. And I said, I didn't do that either. And then he asked me, well, you know, being a college football player, tell me about the college women. And uh, had an interesting way of describing that too. And, and uh, I uh, said, I don't do that either. He says, man, you don't get drunk. You don't get high. You don't mess around to kind of paraphrase him a little bit. He says, man, what turns you on anyways? After many years of evangelism training, I perceived that it just might be a witnessing opportunity. So I, I said, you know, Charlie, uh, the Lord took that stuff out of my life. And I shared my story, uh, God's story, really, about how Jesus had just radically changed my life and uh, took any desire for that kind of lifestyle or behavior out of my life and just really made me a new person. And so I shared my testimony about what Jesus had done in my life and and, uh, and a little bit of the gospel. And Charlie didn't get all excited about it. He wasn't ready to come to Christ or anything. But I, I was pretty fired up. And I'm walking back to the break room with a spring in my step. I say, God, you're already answering prayers here. It's the first week. And I had this chance to share with Charlie. I go into the break room. There's about 50 guys in there, lunch break. And I'm sitting there trying to mind my, my own business. I'm eating my lunch. And all of a sudden, the door flings open. In comes Charlie. He says, hey, Gibson, why don't you tell me what, tell those, these guys what you were telling me out there? I go, oh, you know, being real bold, I, I said, well, maybe, maybe they don't want to hear what we were talking about. <laughs> I kid you not, that's exactly what I said. And they said, uh, yeah, what were you guys talking about? And I, uh, you know, the Bible says, don't be anxious in the hour of need when you're delivered up what to say, but the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. So I, I just started sharing my testimony, how Christ had changed my life, and uh, shared the gospel. And uh, I didn't give a gospel invitation. Nobody came walking down the aisle singing, just as I am without a plea, or uh, nobody came forward to receive Christ. But, you know, Jesus became more than a curse word that summer. He became a focal point in a lot of conversations. And one in particular, there was a guy who was probably the toughest guy in the whole place. And he hated me. I mean, he'd see me talking to somebody about the Lord or he'd he'd just come and cuss me out. And uh, two days in a row, I I came in, it was a little bit later in the summer, and my name was up on the assignment board right next to Steve. I go, oh, wow. This is going to be a long day. I had to work in a tandem with him the whole day, and I never got up on the printing press, only two days in a row. And Steve and I are working. He's just kind of spewing out some profanity and 
and uh, just the kind of an arrogant guy. And I, I kind of had enough of it. I said, you know, Steve, sometimes guys act together like, like they've got it all together on the outside, but inside they're really hurting. And he teared up. He said, that's my life. And he just started pouring out his, all of the problems in his life, alcohol, drugs, extramarital issues, and just poured his heart out. And, I, and he says, how did you, my life's falling apart. How would you ever get your life together? And I'm sitting there pinching myself. I, I couldn't believe this was happening. And so I shared what Christ had done in my life and how Jesus just changed everything for me. And I went home that night, and I called some friends, and I said, uh, call or start praying. I think the hound, hound dogs of heaven are, might be after Steve. And, uh, and uh, so I was praying for him. Came back the next day, my name's up on the assignment board. Never before, never after those two days, and I'm right next to Steve again. And I'm just going to kind of let, let the Lord be the Lord in his heart. And he came up to me, and he says, Dave, I can't get off my mind what we were talking about yesterday. I said, would you like to get get your heart right with Christ? And he said, yes. So we snuck behind a press. We got on our knees, and he broke down and prayed and asked Jesus Christ into his life. And it was so exciting. He, he was weeping and just the tears of joy of finding a personal relationship with Jesus. I used to be kind of do some crazy things. I got this song, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I'd sing it, and you guys thought I was kind of wacko. Well, that next week, Steve was running up and down the aisle in the factory. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. They said, man, Gibson, what did you do to Steve anyways? And I said, I didn't do anything. That's Jesus. And they saw such a transformation there. And uh, it was just beautiful. And there's story after story. God was working. And um, so pray for people. Get that list of people. I prayed for everybody in the factory uh, in the workplace, and that's something we can all do. Pray and then look for those natural opportunities and implement that prayer, care, share lifestyle, and God will do amazing things. I think that prayer is so important of intentionally seeking the Lord for these people, and then prayer and then being present is another thing that I, I really hear, too, uh, from your story of uh, how important it is to not be so busy that we never take time to engage with people. We never take time to pour into people's lives. And that's the challenge for this week that we want to give to all of you is that you would ask one non-believer in your workplace, in your classrooms, in your sphere of influence, wherever it may be, uh, ask a non-believer out to coffee or lunch to hear their story. Take genuine interest in them and practice that shared process that we talked about in, in episode five. And you never know where the Lord is going to lead it. Well, next week we're going to talk about the next steps. So how do we start a discovery Bible study in the workplace, in school, in the neighborhood? And if you're unfamiliar with DBS or discovery Bible study, you won't want to miss next week. It's a tool that the church and evangelists have used all over the world to engage seekers with God's word, pointing them to Christ. And you can do it too. So until next week, keep sharing Jesus. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.